Welcome to Passion Life Church. You know, as I was walking in today, uh, Jacqueline was greeting, and Jacqueline is a, is a great young lady, just really exciting. And she said, you know, last week, how many of you enjoyed Terry last, I mean, Pastor Tracy last week, how many of you enjoyed him? It was an amazing time, and uh, he prayed for Jacqueline and her eyes, and she said, you know, Phil, this week I, I was seeing squiggly lines, and she said, after Sunday service, she says, I didn't see them anymore. She says, I'm going to go back to the doctor to testify about it. But she said, God totally healed my eyes. And then Josh was having migraines. And uh, it was pretty amazing that he got called out during the service. And Pastor Tracy said, those migraines are going to go away. And the migraines went away. Isn't God good, my, my church family? He is so good. Thank you, worship team. We appreciate you guys. You know, we are continuing this series that we've called, I Can Do Hard Things. And it comes from Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. That says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to leave that up on the screen for a moment. Can we say that together? Come on, let's say it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, let's say it like you really believe it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, one more time, as loud as you can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, say a good amen after that. I love that it says I can. It says not. It doesn't say maybe, some people, uh, I sure hope so. No, it says I can. Come on, say that. Say I can. I can do. And it doesn't say I try. It doesn't say take a shot. It actually says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, you know, I think it's important that you all realize that you need in this in your life because there's a lot of people who are going to tell you that you can't do stuff. There's a lot of, and sometimes it's even your family. No, don't do that. Don't try that. You know, I don't understand why, why you, you, you're trying to do that. You know, don't take that risk. But here's the good thing. You've got to take a step. You've got to push through. Can I hear a good amen today? Now, is this scripture saying that you can do all things in yourself? No, it's talking about through Christ. Through Christ, you can do things that you can't do by yourself. And even when you're weak, the Bible says what? He is strong. The Bible says even when there's confusion all around, he can bring wisdom to our lives. Even when you feel lost, come on, with God, you can be found. It's, it's such an incredible, incredible good thing. And so in this series, what we've been talking about because sometimes when hard times come, we, we're not sure what to do. We're not even sure sometimes what we can do. So we've been talking about what can you do in hard times. Well, we said, number one, you can praise. Paul and Silas were in the prison, and God's looking for people who will praise, not just when things are good, come on, somebody, but praise him and magnify him, not the problem. Then we talked about here's what we can do. We can pray. You remember Peter was in prison, and the church came together, and they prayed. And what happened? Prison doors were open because the church prayed. And then we talked about how we can be devoted. Even in hard times, I, man, as a pastor for almost 30 years, I'm always amazed that when hard times fit people, you would think that they would get more devoted to God. But no, some of them just back away, right? And they, they, they lose hope. But we can be more devoted. Then we talked about we can change. In hard times, you know what? We can do things differently. We don't have to do the things the way that the world is doing them. God can do it different in our life, right? And then we talked about... Last week before Pastor Tracy was here is that we can make a stand. 
And in our world, we need to make a stand because whether you believe it or not, my church family, more and more of our freedoms are being taken away from us. Come on, somebody. I say, come on, somebody. And we need to stand up for our freedom because the Bible says even spiritually that Jesus died so we could be free. It was for freedom. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark. Um, actually, turn in your Bibles to, yeah, Mark chapter 11, verse 20. And as you're turning there, Mark chapter 11, verse 20, I want to read another scripture in Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. And it says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven, there's pressure coming against the kingdom of heaven. And you know what? The, the enemy can use people, but the enemy is coming against you. Do you think the enemy wants you to live with joy? Do you think the enemy wants you walking around like Ramir? I love Ramir. He walks around. He sets up. He always has a smile on his face, joy and peace, right? Do you think the enemy wants you to walk around like that and having the joy? No. The Bible says that the, the kingdom of God suffers violent and the violent take it by force. Why am I reading that today? I'm reading that today because I want us to know that the enemy is not passive. The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, you know, all that violence talk, Pastor Phil, I don't know about that. I'm just, you know, I'm just a shy person. Well, here's what you need to know. You need to know that the enemy is proactive. The enemy is assertive. And just because you're saying, I don't want to get involved in this fight, he's not going to look over you and go, you know what? Okay, I'm just going to leave you alone. You're crying. I'll go to somebody else. That's not what he does. He's aggressive. And the Bible says, Jesus says, that the kingdom of God is suffering violent. But here's what we have to do. We've got to be proactive. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the victory. We have the victory in him. But we've got to be proactive and take the victory and say, you know what? We're not just going to sit here and be passive. Can I hear a good amen? And so this morning, have you found Mark chapter 11, verse 20? It says this, now in the morning as they pass by, They saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God. Come on, turn to your neighbor real quick and say, have faith in God. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his what? And his heart doesn't doubt where? In his heart. But believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. You know, today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about when hard things hit our lives that we can move mountains. I can speak to mountains. I want to break this story down for just a minute. Jesus is walking with his disciples. I love the way that that Jesus disciples people because it wasn't just all teaching. It was all about come do this with me. Come along. Come walk with me. Come on. How many of you realize that the Christian life is not a sprint? It's a journey. We're walking along. We're following Jesus. And Jesus sees this fig tree and he looks at it and it has no fruit on it. 
And how many of you know a fig tree is supposed to have fruit on it? And trees that have a fruit, like lemon trees, whatever, they're supposed to have fruit at times. And so this wasn't producing what it needed to produce. And so Jesus actually says in Mark eleven fourteen, he curses the fig tree. And he says, in response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat from this ever again. And what I want to do, I want to break this down a little bit because we need to know what Jesus is doing. Jesus is not, nothing that Jesus does is insignificant in the Bible. And you rarely, I mean, when, when Jesus is cursing something, you need to know why, why is he cursing? Well, he's just a God of blessing. He's, you know, yeah, but why is he cursing the fig tree? And I want us to understand what he is doing because I think it's going to help us. The first thing we need to understand is what the fig tree represents. How many of you know that when we interpret the Bible, you have to interpret the Bible with the Bible. Can I hear a good amen? We interpret the Bible with the Bible, right? We don't interpret it through some speaker or whatever. I always want to make sure that if I have something on my heart, that there's at least two or three scriptures that back it up. But what do the fig leaves represent? Well, let's go back to the way, way beginning when the first fig leaf or, or figs were mentioned. It was in the Garden of Eden. Remember Adam and Eve when, when they messed up? What did they try to do? They took fig leaves and they tried to cover themselves. And then Jesus walked in and he says, Adam, where are you? And he's covering himself. Well, let me just tell you what fig leaves represent because this is what Jesus is teaching us here. Jesus is teaching us that fig leaves represent self-righteousness. See, Adam and Eve were trying to cover themselves. Well, here's the reality. Jesus wanted to be their covering. God wanted to be their covering. And so God killed an animal because it was the animal of blood that would cover that sin. But it the fig leaf represents self-righteousness. Now, self-righteousness is simply man's attempt to cover his own sin. Or let me say it this way. Self-righteousness can also be a person who denies that they have sin, right? That they, they, they've never messed up. You know, I've never done anything wrong. You know, one of the keys to a self-righteous person that you can see is they always blame others. If you're ever in a relationship, because they won't admit that they are wrong. They'll never admit that they did something wrong. They always blame others. But why did Jesus curse the fig tree? Because here's what Jesus was telling us, and this is what we learn. He was letting us know that there would never be any fruit in our lives or any fruit that comes from self-righteousness. You will never get to where God wants you to be being self-righteous. I was thinking about this. Did you ever think about the Sadducees and the Pharisees? None of them got healed. Right? Nicodemus was the only one that came to Jesus, but why didn't they get healed? Why didn't they get saved? Because they were self-righteous. They thought that they could live a life void of Jesus, even though he was right in their midst. Man, that's, that's pretty dangerous. So here's what Jesus was doing. He was speaking and cursing the fig tree, letting us know that no fruit will come from self-righteousness. So we don't want that in our life. But here's the second thing he was, he was showing us. And I want us to, to really hone in on this. He was letting us know that you and I are to have faith in God. But in the literal Greek translation, it doesn't just say have faith in God. It says this, and you write this down if you're taking notes. Write this in the chat if you're watching today. It's not just have faith in God. It's have the faith of God. So I think this is so amazing because what God does is he, he, he gives you his very faith. Matthew eleven twenty two. 22, it says, have the faith of God. So I'm supposed to have the faith that God wants me to have. Now, listen, we have faith in God. 
We don't have faith in people, in systems, in governments. Come on, somebody, right? Uh, not in the dot-coms, having faith. In, I'm talking about having faith in God. Now, here's the great news. I talk to a lot of people who tell me, you know, my faith walk isn't really what it needs to be. I talked to a person this week, and they were talking to me about, you know, faith and works and the balance and all that. And uh, they said, you know, I just can't live a lifestyle of faith. And I told them, I think you and I believe that you can. I'm going to tell you why. Because God gives to every single person a measure of his faith. Come on, somebody. So you can have faith in God because God has put his faith in you. Give me a scripture for that, Pastor Phil. Here's the scripture. Are you ready? Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, or let me just read the, the last part. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. I love this. God always gives you something to start with. Remember in the parable of the talents, he gave one, what, one, one, three, and one, five. Every single person had something to start with. So you have faith when you receive Jesus on the inside of you. And it's not just some mini-me faith, right? He gives you his faith. Just like the Bible says, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body. Jesus didn't give us, God did not give us a mini-me Holy Spirit. You actually have the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you would start to realize who's inside of you, if you would start to realize the faith that God has given you, I wonder what your life would look like. I wonder what would change. Because when I was thinking about this this week, I have the faith of God. You have the faith of God. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you have the faith of God in you. You have faith of God in you. Now, here's something that Jesus is showing us, right? First, he cursed the fig tree. And then he says, have faith in God, or I'm going to give you my faith. For us in the, in the Greek, it says, we have the faith of God. But then he shows us this, how to use his faith. How does God use his faith? He spoke to the fig tree. He spoke. And then he says this, what you need to do is you need to move mountains. Because I want to tell you, I can guarantee when hard times come, there's mountains in your life. There's mountains. Now, Pastor Phil, what is, what is a mountain? A mountain is anything that stands between you and the promise of God. And I wonder if there's anything in your life right now you're believing for. How many of you have some things in your life right now you are believing for? Let me see your hand. You're believing for God to do. You're believing. Maybe it's, it's a child to come home. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's healing. Well, you know what? Between the problem and the promise, there is that mountain. That mountain is the promise. And so what does Jesus do? He's telling us and showing us. He speaks to the fig tree. Also, we know throughout creation, how did he create the world? He spoke it. He said, let there be light. And what there, what, what there was, there was, there was light. So speaking is the way that we use our faith. Paul said this too in 2 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 13 about faith. He said, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. Now, I want to break down believing a little bit. We believe, therefore we speak. And I want to come at this just at a little bit a different angle this morning as we talk about speaking to mountains. Because let's talk about believing. Let's break down what is believing. Believing is a simple choice that we make. It's a, it's a choice to believe. Now, I know when we go through hard things, I will tell you this. It's, sometimes it's tough to believe. Can I hear a good Amen. But I was telling somebody this week, I said, you know, if you just go by what you see, 
you're not going to believe. But that's the opposite of faith. Faith believes before it sees. But let's talk about believing real quick because there's a couple things we need to understand. And one of the things about believing you need to understand is that the heart is the headquarters for your believing. Your heart is the headquarters for where you believe. Romans chapter 10, verse 10 says, for with the heart, the heart, with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made. Jesus said this, whoever speaks to the mountain to be removed and doesn't doubt in his what? Come on, say it loud. Doesn't doubt in his heart, right? Then he will have what he says. So think about this. In your relationships in life, have you ever had somebody just say something to you? And sometimes somebody will say something and you'll do a Taylor Swift and you'll just shake it off, shake it off, right? You just, man, that's nothing. But then somebody, usually it's a family member, maybe something close, somebody has influence in your life, they'll say something to you. And you know what? You don't shake it off. What do you do? You take it to heart. And it gets in your heart. That's when it's dangerous, when it gets in in your heart. And so here's what God is saying. I want my word, my faith, my presence to be in your heart. I don't, and here's where a lot of Christians are today. Can I just be honest with you? A lot of them just nod. They're like, mm-hmm, yeah, that's good. Okay, but is it in your heart? Because we could just go, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh, and never let it sink into our heart. Christianity is a relationship with God. It's not a religion where we just go, uh-huh, yeah, okay, I won't do that. No, no, no. It's about having a relationship. Are you ready? Christianity is the only religion, if you want to call it that, that the God that we worship, that God resides inside the worshiper. He resides inside of us. It's a heart thing. That's one of the things, you know, I'll just be honest with you, you know, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but a lot of people have come up to me in my years of preaching, and they'll say, one of the things I love about your preaching is it's got so much heart in it. And I think to myself, you know what's so sad? We hear a lot of preaching has no heart in it anymore. It's just a bunch of, yeah, but is it in your heart? See, today I talk about it because I'm convinced of it, because it works. Can I hear a good amen today? Right? And so I want to ask you this question. How's your heart? Because you can have big mountains that need to be moved. But if your heart is not right, you're not going to see God's promises in your life. How's your heart today? Because let me just be honest. Angie mentioned it during worship. She said, if anybody's here with a heavy heart, do you know a broken heart can affect your believing? Do you know that I've heard people say, I'm just disheartened. Do you know that being disheartened can affect your believing? Write this down if you're taking notes. Believing problems or belief problems are heart problems. And heart problems are belief problems. Right? And so the conditions of our hearts are affecting our life, my church family, way more than we even realize. Right? Because the condition of your heart, and you're going to see in just a moment, is affecting what you say and affecting what you do. This is why Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows out of it. It flows out of your heart. Now here's number two. We need to understand the importance of our heart because you actually hear with your heart. 
Wait, 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 wait. I thought we hear with our ears. I heard somebody say this. You hear with your ears, but you listen with your heart. This is why in a church service, you can preach a message. One person will walk out offended and one person will walk out blessed. And what did it have to do? They heard the same message. It had everything to do with the condition of their heart. That's why when we take up the offering, you see some people like this. And you see some people like this. It's all in their heart. It's all in their heart. That's why, you know, I'm not responsible for the way you respond to this message. Guess who's responsible for it? You are. When I go home, I wash my hands and I said, Lord, I gave them what you told me to give them. Now, it's all on their heart. That's why I don't get upset. You know, I had, had a person one time get real mad at me, and they said, you know, I've been coming to church a couple times, and, you know, now, and, and uh, you know, I just don't get anything out of these messages. And, you know, I've talked to some of the people in the church, and they tell me, man, they're getting stuff out of these messages. They love your messages. Well, you know what? I'm just not getting anything out of the messages. Well, as I talked to them further, guess what? They were offended. They were offended at something they heard in the church. They didn't know if it was true, but it offended their heart. Well, you know what? It's sad because you can sit there every single week and you can hear the message and it will not produce in your life because you have a hard heart. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew thirteen fifteen, he says, For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. He's correlating ears and hearts. You remember in the parable of the sower that Jesus talked about? He said, the sower goes out and he's sowing seed. Everybody say this. Say it's the same seed. Every condition, every soil condition got the same seed. He talks about four soil conditions, but it's really, it's four heart conditions. And one of them, it says the seed went out and you know what happens is it fell by the wayside. That's, that's, there's, there's not even really soil there because it's, it's a hard heart. So what happens is the seed doesn't even get in because the heart is so hard. Now, do you realize how quick, you may say, Phil, my heart's good. I'm doing good. Yeah. But do you realize how quick a person's heart can go from a hurting heart to a hard heart? A good heart, then someone gets hurt, and then it goes to a hard heart. It can be quick. It can happen in, in a day, it can happen. Now, some people's hearts become hard because they just have unfilled expectations. Some people have hard hearts because they have untreated pain. They have pain that has never been treated. Now, when a heart, you have a hard heart, the word doesn't even get inside. You know, the Bible says that the enemy comes immediately when the word is spoken to steal it. It's funny. I think the enemy knows some more things than some Christians do because he comes to steal this word because it's so powerful. When you look at the good heart, it has the power to produce in your life. That's why he comes and he, he steals that word. But, you know, let me just, let's, let, let's be honest here. A hard-hearted person does have a belief system. They do have a belief system. You know what they believe? They usually have had their mind made up. No, God can't heal. No, you know what? I don't know why this happened to me. And they start to have, you know, maybe God is, is, is doing something to me. What, what's wrong? But they do have a belief system. My pain can't be healed. And then some of them, they'll just be honest with you. I've heard people say this. I hate people. I just hate people. Well, you're a people too. And let me just tell you this. Your poop stinks too. Probably more, never mind. Right? 
I just hate people. You come to the point. Well, I'm sorry. Unless you're going to live like out in the mountains in Big Bear by yourself. Listen, life is full of people. And it's not people. Yeah, some people are mean. Have you, have you found that out? Some people don't understand. Some people are ignorant and they say stupid things. But here's the reality. You are responsible for what grows in the soil of your heart. You Come on. Can we give the Lord a good round of applause? Because you are responsible. But man, you know, listen. A hard heart doesn't just affect you. I was thinking about Pharaoh in the Old Testament. You remember Pharaoh in the Old Testament? Moses goes up to Pharaoh, right? He's got all these signs. He's got a, he's got a, a staff. God says, look, these are going to be signs, you know, that you, that they're supernatural things that are going to happen. And he throws down his, his, um, his staff and it turns into a, a snake, right? And then he puts his hand in his bosom and then takes it out and has leprosy on it. And man, he's got all these things. And so he goes to Pharaoh and he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And the Bible says that Pharaoh's heart was hard. Now, I want to help some people today. Because as you read this, it says God made Pharaoh's heart hard. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. That's what the King James translation. And I wish that they would have translated it correctly. Because in the actual Hebrew, it's not an active tense. It's a permission type tense. Meaning that what happened was God allowed Pharaoh's heart to get hard. My church family, everybody look at me. God will allow your heart to get hard. He's not going to come in and change your heart and rip your heart. That's not what he does. He allows you to choose. And as I read about the 10 plagues that came, think about it. So the, the, the blood, water gets turned into blood. Pharaoh's like, mm-mm. The Bible says his heart got harder. His heart got harder. His heart got harder. Why, Pharaoh, would you not just say, yes, I will let these people go? I think, for me, the first plague, water turned into blood. Have you ever tasted blood? It's not good. I would have been like, you, all right, take everybody. You can take, and you can even take this guy. I don't like him. So just take, you know, take, take them all. But he didn't. His heart got harder. And you know what's interesting to me? And it just shows you the epitome of what a hard heart will do. Because he thought he was right. He thought the children of Israel were his. They weren't. They were God's. And he, my church family, what did it take for him to finally let the children of Israel go? It took his own son dying. The epitome of a hard heart. And then, watch this, he says, okay, you can go. Moses, all right, my son is dead, go ahead. And then he has the audacity, after he lets them go, to chase after them. You know what's sad? Pharaoh not only loses his son, he loses his whole army, all of the Egyptian army, because of a hard heart. So your hard heart, my hard heart, when it's hard, not just affects me, it affects people around me. Can I hear a good amen? And my church family, this is why we have to keep our heart clean because an, it affects how we hear. A hard heart's not going to hear the word. You know, the Bible also talks about another heart condition, a heart, a soil that had thorns on it. And that talks about the cares of this world or is, is, is choking the word of God. But then the Bible also says there's good ground. I want to encourage you, when you walk into church this morning and every morning, make sure your heart is good ground. Why? So you can hear what God has to say. Because write this down if you're taking notes. An unwilling heart makes a deaf spiritual ear. But a willing heart makes a hearing ear. Lord, what are you saying to me? 
And Satan comes immediately to steal that word. Why? Because it's so powerful. Because once that word gets in your life, man, it'll produce fruit. You'll be changed. You'll be doing different things. You will look at that, your life, and go, man, wow, guess what? I'm not the same person. There's fruit in your life. And you know what fruit is? Fruit is the outward evidence of an inward life. Just like a hard a person who's hard on the outside, it's just the evidence of what's going on inside of them, you know? But we've got to keep our heart clean. Now, everybody look at me this morning because I think this is important. Why are you talking about a hard heart, Pastor? Because my heart's good. I understand. But when hard times come, the tendency is to be hard-hearted opposed to just being more submitted. I'm going to say that again. See, when hard things come, people get hard. It's easy to get hard. Instead of saying, God, I'm going through a hard time. Here's my heart. I'm more submitted to you now than ever. That's the right response. Can I hear a good amen today? But that's not what can happen if we're not looking after our heart. I like what Chris Hodges said about a submitted heart. He said, the mark of a God-changed heart is that I like God telling me how to live. And let me tell you about that quote. That's what you need when you're in a hard time. Why? Because you need to hear God's voice. He needs to be able to speak to you and tell you what to do. Come on, can I hear a good amen, somebody, today? Right? If you want God moving in your life, you need to hear him. I'm talking about hearing with your heart. Why? What does this have to do with faith, Phil? What does this have to do with speaking and speaking to mountains? Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But if I hear with my heart, and my heart is not where it needs to be, faith is not going to be, more faith is not going to be stirred and built, right? And my church family, it takes the God kind of faith to move those mountains. Can I hear a good amen today? And here's number three. We need to understand about our heart. Your heart affects your speaking. It affects your speaking. Luke chapter 6 verse 45 says, out of the abundance of the what? Come on, say it loud. Out of the abundance of the what? The abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. Listen, you want to know what's in a person's heart? Listen to what they talk about. I'm telling you what, I'm finished hanging out with guys that all they talk about is fantasy football. I don't live in no fantasy. Can I hear a good amen today? I'm like, real men play football. We don't just play fantasy football. Come on, somebody. I remember before I I, uh, dated my wife, I dated this girl, and I was really excited about just going out on a date with her. She was pretty and all that stuff. We sat down, and we, we ate. And just uh, let me just give you a little key right here. When you're in relationships and you're meeting somebody new, ask questions. Don't just talk about yourself. Ask questions. How are you? How, you know, what's going on? What's your major? All the, let them talk. But unfortunately, it got onto, you know, past relationships really quick. And she started talking about her ex-boyfriend. And the whole time we ate, she talked about her ex and her ex and her ex. And I thought, this thing's over. We're out. I'm out. And I thought, I'm going to call up your ex so he can pay for this dinner. Because he's all we talked about. Come on, somebody. I ain't, why am I paying for this? But you think, and, and so I didn't even give it another shot because I understand. I don't like my ex. It didn't work out, blah, 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 blah. Great. Come on. But I'm like, look at who's in front of you. You're going to say no to this because you're thinking about your ex? Come on, take a good look. Come on, you want some of this? You know, you can do that, right? But here's the reality. Her heart was somewhere else. 
her heart, she, she couldn't see what was in front of her. And all she talked about was her ex because why? That was on her heart. And she needed some healing. See, when a person's heart's right, write this down, they speak right. Now, some people will misspeak. I do it. We all, we all make mistakes. But listen. Listen to people. I read this quote. It really touched my heart. It says, when people show you who they are, pay attention. When they speak to you, listen to what's on their heart. Especially if you're single and ready to mingle. Listen. If you are dating a guy who's talking about his boss, if you are dating a guy who's talking about bad about his manager, I get it. We've all had bad bosses. We've all at one time in our lives had bad. But watch, listen, listen, ladies. If he's always talking about authority bad, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have problems. Why? Because when you marry him and try to tell him something, <laughs> and you become some type of authority figure, watch out. But he told you the whole time, I hated this boss and this blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Listen to how they talk about their parents. My dad's always telling me what to do, blah, blah, blah. You think he's going to listen to you? And here's my point. It's not just what they're saying. It's in their heart. It's in their heart. So they have to have a heart transformation before you give them your heart. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen? You say, what does this have to do, Phil, with what you're talking about? Absolutely nothing. No, I'm kidding. I'm going somewhere. Because here's, here's where we're landing the plane. Jesus says... That if you speak to the mountain, right, and don't doubt in your heart. So your heart and your speaking have to be on the same thing. Because you can say, you know, I just pray, God, that this cancer goes. Did it come from your heart? Or was that just something you said? Because you heard somebody else say it. Because, see, what God wants is he wants you to look at the mountain and believe in your heart. And out of that comes faith. And when faith comes out of that, you say to that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And the Bible says, you'll have what you say. Listen, my church family, if you say what God says, when you say it, you'll have what you say. I'm going to say that again. When you say what God says, you will have what you say. Why? Because God said it. Can I hear a good amen today? Man, I'm rapping like Run DMC today. He says, if you believe and you receive, that's all heart. He says, if you speak to the mountain and you don't doubt in your heart. See, sometimes you can doubt in your head. Sometimes you're like, I don't know how this is going to work out. But listen, don't let that get into your heart. So I'm going to ask you this question. Is your God bigger than your mountain? I'll ask you again. Is your God bigger than your mountain? Because mountains can be big. But the great news is, you know what? God is bigger. God is bigger. Let me just, let me break this down just a little bit more. Can I give you some misconceptions about mountains real quick? Are you ready? Everybody look at me. God is not putting a mountain in front of you. Let me try this side. God is not putting the mountain in front of you. God is not schizophrenic. God is not bipolar. God doesn't put a mountain in front of you and then tells, speak to the mountain, right? And have it removed. And then you have that removed and God puts another mountain in. Is that our God? No, you need to understand that. Because there's a lot of people who believe that, that God put the mountain there. I want you to notice something else. Here's another misconception about mountains. God never says in here that we are to live with our mountains. 
I'm going to just live with it. Well, I'm just going to, you know, uh, maybe I'll just walk around it. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. She'll be coming around the mountain. She'll be. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. I live with my mountain. And some people have decided to live with their mountain. You know why? Because I never heard this message. Come on, somebody. But you're here today, and God is going to help you move the mountains. Are you ready? This is a big one. Are you ready? Are you ready? Say, I'm ready, Pastor Phil. You ready for this one? Misconception about mountains. Mountains are not God's will in your life. What is a mountain? Anything that is between where you are and where God has you to, wants you to be, whatever that is, that mountain is not God's will for your life. All right, are you ready? Here's another one. You learning something today? You have to have this stance in your heart. This is not God's will for my life. Just like Jacqueline, just like, just like uh, Josh, oh, I have migraines. He had migraines every day. Well, I'm just going to learn to live with this mountain of migraines. I'm just going to learn to live with it. No, you don't have to. And are you ready for this? This is a little bit tough, but I'm going to say it because it needs to be said. God is not going to move the mountain for you. God is not going to do for you what he told you to do and gave you the faith for. Well, I just wish that God would, would move this mountain. Jesus, move this mountain. Is that what he, Did he say that we are supposed to talk about the mountains? Because that's what we're good at. We Facebook about the mountains, go on Instagram, hey, look at how big my mountain is. Speak. Talk about it, right? We talk about our pain. Hey, how's your back? Well, you know, the other day I was planting. I was planting a, a mint tree and a, a mint bush, and I bent over, and all. And I remember it was 4:59 on Saturday, and you know, I got that pain. Then it was sharp pain. It went through here, and it went through that. And we'll tell that story 47 times to people. We talk about our mountains, and this is what God says: You need to stop talking about the mountain, and you need to start facing it and speaking to that pain, and say, in the name of Jesus, pain you need to go away because by Jesus's stripes, I am healed. Jesus took stripes on his back so my back can be whole in the name of Jesus. Pain move out. I thought you'd get a little more excited about that. Maybe you like your back pain. Maybe you're a mountain hugger. You're like, I'm a tree, I'm a mountain hugger. You can live with your pain as long as you decide to. Or you can allow God to so affect your heart, my church family. Come on, somebody. He can so affect your heart that you can speak to that thing. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? You got to address it. You can't deny it. Your God is bigger than any mountain that you face. And I'm going to tell you, if you can do the hard things, you can and you must speak to your mountain. I want you to stand with me this morning. There's faith in this room. There's faith online for what we're talking about today. There's faith. I want you to close your eyes for just this moment. It's time that we speak to things in our life. It's time that we address things. That we go on believing. That we don't quit. That you speak to that sickness in Jesus' name. 
that you call that kid that is not living for God, that prodigal kid, that prodigal son or daughter, that you speak and you say, you know what? God, send laborers into their path. I command that prodigal son to come home in Jesus' name. You speak to the mountain. You speak to that depression. You don't just allow yourself to be passive. Remember, right? The kingdom of God suffers violent, but the violent take it by force. You address, you know what? Pastor Phil, I have a diagnosis of bipolar. Well, you know what? I know the great physician, and God says you can have the mind of Christ. Can I hear a good amen today? And you start to say that over your, your life. I have the mind of Christ. Bipolar, in Jesus' name, I will not be. I have the mind of Christ. Come on, you're going to have to speak over that lack of motivation. Come on. You've got to speak to COVID-19. Is the, is the mountain of COVID-19 bigger than our God? No. God is bigger. Amen. But we got to speak to it. I speak to it all the time when people call me and, hey, we've been positive, you know, been tested. Let's speak to that thing. I don't just pray for God to heal people. I speak to that thing. Jesus talked about a spirit of infirmity. And he said, he will talk to it. He says, loose them in Jesus' name. COVID-19, you have to go in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. We speak to the mountain. You got to have to speak to that fear. You're going to have to be, you have to speak to being overburdened. We have to keep on believing. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment as we close today. I just want to take a minute. I don't know what your mountain is, but today, first off, Lord, here's our heart. Lord, some of us, our hearts have become hard because we've been hurt. And Lord, today, your word says that you could take a heart of stone And turn it into a heart of flesh. A soft heart. We want to hear you. We want faith to be stirred up in our lives today, God. We don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss your voice. We don't want to miss our miracle, Father God, because of this mountain. And our heart not being where it needs to be. And so today, Father God, right now, we say here's our heart. If you need to forgive this morning, forgive. Let it go. Open up your heart once again. God wants to speak to you. He's not. He says if you'll draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. He has the answer you've been looking for. He wants to give you the wisdom. And it's not a matter of him wanting. It's a matter of our heart's posture to say, God, here's my heart today. Here's my heart. Do a work today in our heart. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a moment just right underneath your breath. You know what mountain you're facing. Maybe it's a mountain of fear. Maybe it's a a mountain of financial lack or debt. I want you to just take a moment, and I want you to begin to speak right now. Under your breath, I want you to begin to speak to that mountain, whatever that is. You don't have a job. You say, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. You are opening doors for me, Father. I remove in the name of Jesus, right, sickness and disease. You speak to that mountain. Speak to it right now. Maybe it's fear. Maybe there's fear that's been risen up in your heart because of what you're hearing on the news. And you need to speak to that fear and say, in Jesus' name, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. My church family, you have mountain-moving faith. I want to say that again. You have mountain-moving faith. You have mountain-moving faith. Let's move those mountains in Jesus' name. Come on. Mountains, you need to move in Jesus' mighty name. We don't doubt in our heart. 
The word doubt means to withdraw. We don't quit. We're not going to quit before this victory. We're going to move forward. Thank you, Father God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We speak to that mountain. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're watching online, maybe you just happened to catch this today. I want to pray for you to know Jesus. I want faith to come in your heart. He'll give you the faith. He'll give it to you so you can start this journey and experience the life that God has for you today. I want to pray for you. If you've never asked Jesus to come inside your heart, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, today's your day. And just like we read in the Bible, it says that we believe in our heart, we speak with our mouth. You can believe that God can forgive you of all your sins. You can believe that there's a God who loves you and cares for you because that is the truth and the truth will set you free. Listen, I want to pray this prayer. If you've never invited Jesus to come inside your heart, let's do that today. Whether you're online or in person, repeat after me. Would you say this? Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all of my sins. Jesus, come inside my heart. Make me new. In the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I will live for you. In Jesus' name. Listen, before I let you go, you know, Jesus talked about in the book of Matthew, he says that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? It's like one of the, I mean, it, it's so, so small. But I did a little bit of research on the mustard seed, and you know what I realized? A small mustard seed can produce a mustard bush or a mustard tree that can be up to 20 to 30 feet tall. And I thought that was so encouraging because right now where you are in your faith, Jesus was saying, use the faith that you have. Because even the smallest amount, a small mustard seed can move big mountains. I want to say that again. A small mustard seed can move big mountains. And this is the victory. 1 John 5, 4 tells us that those that are born of God. How many of you born of God? Let me see your hand. You're born of God. And if you just prayed that prayer, you are born of God. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. You have faith moving mountain. So let's guard our heart. Let's not allow anything to come between us and hearing from God. Because you know what? When hard times come, I don't care how big that mountain is, it's going to have to move in Jesus' name. Come on, did you receive that this morning? Come on, give the Lord a great round of applause today. Say this with me, I can. Come on, say it loud, I can do hard things. Come on, say I can do hard things because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Come on, give the Lord one more great round of applause for his word. Listen, we love you. Thanks for joining us. Invite some people to church next week. We love you. Sign up for Growth Track and look at all the life groups online. God bless you. Thanks for coming today, and you may be dismissed. God. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.